Welcome back to The Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. As we're working our way through 1 Peter right now, we come to this great section in chapter 4 where he's reminding us to think about our suffering in the same way that Christ did. Peter wrote this letter, as we've said multiple times now, to encourage and comfort Christians that are suffering because of the gospel, because of the outworking of their faith, to encourage them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is where he began reminding us that we have been born again to a living hope, that we have an inheritance that is secured for us in Christ, that that everything that we need, everything that we have is found in Jesus Christ, and so that can affect how we think about life in this world. Over the last several sections, he's been dealing with the reality of suffering, even suffering unjustly, and and the the fact that, that we're called to continue entrusting ourselves to God as Christ did. And indeed, that's what he returns to here in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. So let me pray for us, and then I'll read the verse, and we'll look at what Peter is calling us to. Father, we ask that you would strengthen us to understand these words. I pray that you would help me to speak clearly, that I may, might communicate your word clearly to your people. We ask this in Christ's most precious name. Amen. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, that whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that has passed suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, or, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Well, there are some difficulties that we need to deal with in this passage in order to get at what it is that Peter is saying. The first difficulty comes there at the end of verse 1. In the ESV, it says, For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, making our suffering in the flesh somehow causal. And, and, and I think this is better translated, and Karen Jobes it goes this way with it, as does Calvin and a number of other people, that whoever suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that that's the way of thinking that we're to arm ourselves with. So verse 1 would read this way, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, that whoever suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. What Peter is encouraging us here is to have the mind of Christ as it comes to our suffering. The suffering, remember, that he has in mind is unjust suffering or suffering because we are a Christian. In other words, because the life that we are called to in Christ is necessarily in many scenarios at odds with the world and it is at odds with the world in a way that condemns them, we will suffer when we live that way. And so what he's wanting us to see is that when we're suffering for following Christ, when we're suffering for doing the will of God, we're suffering because we have ceased from sin. And so that's how we need to think about our suffering. The one who has suffered has ceased from sin. 
Now, this is a very different way of thinking about suffering than what we are often used to. Oftentimes, we think, oh, suffering is discipline. And indeed, it can be. We may endure suffering in this life as the consequence of our sin, but that's not the kind of suffering Peter here has in mind. What Peter has in mind is that there are, in fact, times when because of the decisions that we make as Christians about how we are going to live in this world, there are, in fact, times when the way we live will set us at odds with the world, and therefore we will suffer by at the hands of the world. And that kind of suffering Peter wants us to understand is because we are not sinning. It's not because we are sinning, it's because we are not sinning. Our refusal to go the way of the world at times, just as it did repeatedly for Christ, will lead to our rejection it will lead to our suffering. Our refusal to bow to the many idols that people are prone to bow to rather than worshiping Christ will set us at odds with those who are bowing to those other idols. And therefore, we will suffer. And what we need to understand, contra the health and wealth gospel, Contra the ideas that if you just follow Jesus, you'll be blessed in this life. What we need to understand, what Peter wants us to grapple with, is that sometimes following Christ actually leads to suffering because we're refusing to sin, because we're refusing to go the way of the world. And that's what he deals with in the coming verses. So arm yourself with this way of thinking that Suffering in the flesh is because you're not sinning. Do that so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, that is, while you're physically alive, no longer for human passions but for the will of God. In other words, prepare yourself for suffering for doing good so that when it comes, you know that you are doing the will of God and you will be prepared to continue doing the will of God. And the reason he wants us to do this, as we see in verse 3 and 4, is because he he puts it in this interesting way. Look, the the time for doing all of these debaucherous things, uh, there's been enough time for that. Let's move on to something else is what Peter is saying. And and then he tells us in verse 4, with respect to this, those who continue in those things, in drunkenness, in passions, and sensuality, and lawless idolatry, and drinking parties, and orgies, those who continue in those things, when you have armed yourself with this way of thinking, and you are willing to not go along with the way of the world, they're going to be surprised when you don't just do what they do, and they're going to malign you for it. They're going to cause you suffering because you're not doing what they're doing. And you're not doing what they're doing, even if you're not actively condemning them, does speak that kind of condemnation to them even by your actions. And so they're going to seek to defend themselves. They're going to they're cause your suffering because you won't play their game. They're going to be surprised at your unwillingness to fall 
into all of the foolishness that they walk into. But then he reminds us in verses 5 and 6, they're going to have to give an account for their life. We all are going to have to give an account for our life, and our account is either going to be in Christ or we're going to have to try to uphold some works that we don't have. And so he reminds us, yes, you may suffer at their hands now. They may seem to be having all the fun and and living the rich life and, and, and getting away with it all now. But in the end, they're going to have to give an account to the one who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So what Peter is calling us to once again is a willingness to suffer for doing what is good while we entrust ourselves to the one who judges justly, just as Christ did. He wants us to think about life the way Christ did, that it's better to suffer in the flesh for doing what is good than to have to stand before the just judge of all creation, having only served our flesh and having not entrusted ourselves to him. And he says, this is why the gospel was preached even to those who were dead. Here he's not talking about going and preaching to dead people. He's, he's reminding these people that, that largely in this time, as I understand, didn't hold the same ideas of the afterlife. And so their idea was, why suffer now for something that doesn't actually exist? He's reminding them, oh, but it does exist. And this is why we've extended the comfort of the gospel. Because you will, you will stand before the judge. And even though you may have been judged now in the flesh, and you may have suffered in the flesh, if you have entrusted yourself to God through Jesus Christ, who suffered for us to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, we will live in the Spirit the way God does. See, what Peter is trying to get us to to do is to count our life and consider our life as found holy in God, as found holy in Jesus Christ, not in this world. He's trying to get us to break from the thought processes that tell us that how our life is going in this world says something about how our standing before God is. It doesn't. In fact, he reminds us, when we refuse to go along with this world in order to do the will of God, our life in this world may not go well at all. And so he encourages us, prepare for that. Arm yourself with that way of thinking so that when you suffer, you don't fall into the trap of thinking that something less than a blessed life in the present time means anything about your relationship with God. Christ suffered for doing good. If we rest in him and walk according to his ways, we will too. And it's okay. Because we will live in the spirit as God does. This is the hope that we have. This is the certain hope of the gospel. That what Christ has done speaks a truer word about our standing with God than whether or not we suffer in this life. So we can rest in that even as we suffer for doing so.